Hi everyone, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. I'm Vince Leo and I'm the film critic for the website quipster.net. I invite you to check that website out and you can also find links to my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, as well as get my contact information if you want to write to me directly, quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at a film I've been anticipating for quite a while because I've read uh, most of the book. I actually wasn't able to actually finish it before the <laughs> before the film came out, so I was kind of disappointed in that. But from what I did read and from watching the movie, it follows pretty closely the book. Um, not completely. The book is very much filled with uh, technical jargon and, and explanations that the film just really doesn't delve into because it is a film. And I'm talking about The Martian, a science fiction adventure kind of action film. It stars Matt Damon, and it's directed by Ridley Scott. It's a PG-13 release for some strong language, injury images, and brief nudity. I didn't know <laughs> there was such a thing as injury images that would make something unpalatable for uh, to, to push it to a PG-13 rating, but there you go. Uh, the film runs a an, two hours and... 21 minutes and the supporting cast outside of Matt Damon, of course, who gets uh, front and center most of the film is uh, Jessica Chastain, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Jeff Daniels, Sean Bean, Benedict Wong, Michael Pena, Kristen Wiig, Kate Mara, Sebastian Stan, Axel Henney, Mackenzie Davis, and Donald Glover. A, the screenplay is by Drew Goddard and it's based on a best-selling book by Andy Weir. The plot of the film involves a NASA mission that uh, ends up with a group of scientists and astronauts on the surface of Mars. They're there to collect some intel, some info, and some samples of the native soil there. doesn't really go into the hows and whys of what they're doing there, but their mission ends prematurely when a major dust storm flings rocks and other debris around the area. Uh, it's a severe storm, and it causes the crew to head toward their spacecraft to leave the area, and they leave behind a fallen team member, Mark Watney, that they've presumed to have uh, died during the storm because uh, the uh, bio uh, statistics of his suit actually start to malfunction. So because they're not getting a reading, they figure he must be dead. Now, only Watney does not die there. He's actually just severely injured, and he, even though he is severely hurt and his oxygen is depleted, he does manage to make it back to the Mars station for a bit of healing and contemplation on the fact that he is now stranded on the planet with no means of communication and very likely to die when one of his many precious resources, whether it be food or water or air, eventually will run out. About four years is uh, the amount of time that is uh, the span between the next expected mission to Mars. So Watney decides that he's going to use his training in botany as well as engineering to try not only to figure out a way to extend his chances of survival as long as he can, but he's also going to have to find a way to let those on Earth know that he is still alive on the hope that they might actually come back before it's too late for him. As a film, The Martian is based relatively faithfully, as I mentioned, on a 2011 novel uh, by software programmer Andy Weir. Weir originally published this book in serial form on his uh, his blog, his website online. Uh, he eventually was told by his uh, his readers of his online uh, book 
that they would like it in book form, and he eventually released it as an ebook on Kindle for uh, the very low cost of 99 cents. It actually became a bestseller on that device, which drew the interest of the publishing companies uh, in the world, and he finally did sell the book rights to uh, one of those publishing companies for an eventual release in book form, where it also became a bestseller. The versatile Ridley Scott, who and here is taking over the reins for Drew Goddard, who provided the screenplay. Goddard was supposed to be the director, but he ended up dropping out due to some scheduling conflicts. And Ridley Scott is here returning to a genre that he he seems to have done much of his best work, science fiction. You know, he's the director of Alien, he's the director of Blade Runner, and also Prometheus in recent years. And he's going to be uh, doing the sequel to Prometheus coming up. Uh, the uh, Alien Paradise Lost, I think is what it's going to be called. At least that's what he says it's going to be called. Uh, that always to be seen, I suppose. And he here is delivering a thoughtful and very entertaining take on Andy Weir's work. It allows us to understand exactly what's going on in the story without a lot of the overhead of the novel, which uh, the novel actually goes into much more of the scientific aspect of Watney's process on how he saves himself, or at least he tries to save himself. And there's a lot of painstaking detail that Weir put into it that made it very respectable for fans of science-based novels. Um, but obviously that was not going to translate very well into a movie form, especially a movie that costs this much to produce. You definitely don't want to limit your audience at least that's the thinking going in here. Uh, despite the dire circumstances of Watney's plight, as well as the seriousness of NASA missions and also the PR debacles that they can sometimes provide when their missions go awry, Ridley Scott keeps the tone of the book, I believe, adapted by uh, Stoddard, uh, as surprisingly light and sarcastic in its humor throughout. And that's uh, that sarcasm is often used by Watney as a, a kind of a defense mechanism in order to keep the overwhelming direness of his situation from getting him down. Um, but also, you, you have to think that you, NASA astronauts have to prepare for every, you know, there's, there's a lot of contingency planning and a lot of their training goes into uh, disaster management, basically, because so much can go awry. That they are, they they are prepared by keeping cool under very dire situations. So they've been trained for for a long period of time. So it does make sense for uh, Watney to uh, probably not sink down into uh, uh, this kind of psychological breakdown that probably would happen to many of us if we were stuck in an, uh, a period of isolation on a planet and we had no means of contacting anyone or, or and it seemed like it was just going to be a slow and agonizing death there now on that front Watney could have easily been portrayed as as uh, growing increasingly lonely morose and cynical about his situation but I think that very refreshingly he comes across as resourceful and generally optimistic that solutions to every problem should be explored with vigor until at the very least, until you absolutely run out of solutions. As long as there are solutions to be had, he's going to continue to explore them until they're absolutely exhausted. Now, we get insights into Watney's thought process from a video diary. He, he actually uh, talks into cameras in order, uh, basically GoPro cameras throughout. Uh, he, he 
this allows us not only to understand what he's doing in every given situation, but uh, I think that it's it's uh, it's something for him to keep his sanity there on the planet to feel that there is somebody who eventually he is going to be talking to, even if it's just going to be talking to himself. The chance of somebody finding this video diary obviously is very limited to people who go to Mars, but uh, you know, it, eventually you hope that somebody at, in a future mission. Uh, if Watney is to die on that planet, is going to find this, and uh, there will be some detailed accounts as that he actually was still alive, and he could actually say all of the things that he had wanted to say at the time, and uh, that message would presumably be uh, to carry across to somebody back home, and so there, that that really is the 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 reason for the video diary. At least uh, it doesn't really go into a lot of explanation, but that's it's. You know, he needs somebody to talk to, even if it's himself. Now, if you've seen any of the advertisements for this film, especially the trailer, you know that this is a very good-looking film, as you probably would expect from something by Ridley Scott, and that has this kind of uh, money thrown at it from Hollywood. It's definitely very adeptly presented from a technical level. Uh, those of you who are listening to uh, this podcast, uh, as far as my explanation of the film story, you might think that it's kind of capitalizing on the popularity of Gravity, the Sandra Bullock and uh, George Clooney film. But um, this one definitely showcases much more uh, how what's going on by the, the people who are stranded uh, affects the people at Mission Control down there in Houston at NASA who are trying to come up with solutions on how to get their stranded astronauts home. Gravity definitely just concentrated on the people who are stranded and we don't get all of that uh, that PR and that uh, the the uh, engineers who are really trying to come up with a lot of robust solutions to uh, even if they are, they're far fetched they continue to work together to collaborate on that. Also, some people might be reminded of Castaway, the Tom Hanks film, in the way that it actually plays out. Uh, you know, if we if we followed someone who actually kept his cool and never succumbed to anguish or despair. Uh, then it would be very similar to Castaway. Obviously, you know, Matt Damon is out on Mars and not on an island somewhere, but, um, and, but he definitely is much more, uh, has a lot more training and he keeps his cool and he's not really cracking under the pressure as, say, Tom Hanks' character in Castaway. And you kind of, if you, if you mix Castaway with another Tom Hanks vehicle, Apollo 13, which definitely had a lot of that scientific jargon and, you know, that, that, uh, people marooned out in space uh, feel to it, then the, that's kind of more along the lines of how uh, the Martian plays out. Now, though Scott, Ridley Scott, is an auteur of renown, you know, he's definitely been making films a long time, he's very well respected, and generally stamps most of his films with some strain of his own style, you would never know that from the way the Martian plays out. If If somebody had covered up the 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 name of the director at the beginning of the film or, or kept it away from all of the advertisements, I don't think that you would necessarily have guessed that this was a Ridley Scott movie because he doesn't really put a lot of his showy, uh, more stylistic aspects of his the way that he generally directs into this film. It's, it's, it's a film that's obviously made by somebody who is proficient with their craft and competent at delivering action scenes, but it's really a movie that's definitely made for specifically wide-release audiences and not for people who frequent art house cinemas. 
Now, it is intelligent. So, you know, I, I won't say that it's definitely dumbed down, per, perhaps, but it is not really esoteric. And it sticks really closely to the plot and the spirit of the original Andy Weir novel, except it doesn't have a lot of Weir's step-by-step technical explanations of exactly what he's doing and how uh, scientifically it could be done. Uh, that is really kept out of here. It, it, you know, it's a difficult read, I think, for some people who don't have a lot of patience, you know, the original Andy Weir novel. And so that definitely is stripped out here for things that are much more cinematic. Uh, Matt Damon, he's very solid and as charismatic as you would expect. He's definitely excellent as the this, uh, this intelligent and very resourceful everyman, uh, Watney. Uh, this really is doing a 180-degree turn from another more recent interplanetary castaway that he portrayed in Interstellar, uh, which also featured Chastain, although they didn't share any scenes together in Interstellar. Uh, there are moments of heartfelt feeling from time to time, but the film's not really as emotionally stirring as you would expect, uh, and it doesn't really go for any of those uh, Oscar bait moments or tearjerker moments. It really just tries to command your attention and occasionally it makes you chuckle from the choice bits of comic relief that are sprinkled throughout much of it at the expense of what is a a 1970s disco collection that's left behind by uh chastain's character the commander of the original crew and uh that disco soundtrack really provides the only music that he has to listen to while he works to keep himself alive even though he abhors it it's there because it's really he wants to hear something uh, the supporting cast is impressive. I mean, you heard the list of names that I that I uh, uh, rattled off at the beginning of this review. There's a lot of solid actors in this film all around, many of whom have gotten Oscar nominations before. But in this film, none of the roles other than Damon's is really explored fully to make a lasting impression. I don't think that you'll see anybody get any Oscar nominations, save for perhaps a very outside chance for Matt Damon here. Uh, but because... The film is not showy and you don't really see Damon uh, anguished or just, you know, to the point of of really breaking down, which is usually what uh, what gets you Oscar nominations. I don't think that you'll see one here. Uh, you'll probably see some technical uh, Oscar noms, but uh, the actors are probably going to be left behind here. This is not a huge acting showcase, even though I think uh, Damon is excellent. Now, while it's, the film itself is not particularly weighty or extensively psychological, I think that... There, There is an underlying message of hope in the film that seems to be a theme uh, that is delivered to the audience, not in an ostentatious way, but it's still there. And that is that no matter what, we as humans should in- continue to invest in science as this key to get us out of our current situation in which we ourselves are growing increasingly susceptible to our own extinction if the planet continues its current trend toward extreme climate change, depleted resources and shortages in food, water, and clean, breathable air. Now, perhaps it's a bit Pollyanna to draw too strong a link between a man finding a way to survive on a planet without basic human necessities and our own plight on Earth, but I do think it's definitely something that one can't help but ponder after watching this film as we see some of the world's greatest minds rolling up their sleeves, getting to work, and coming up with solutions. Some of them successful, others are disastrous, but regardless of the political considerations that often get in the way of genuine progress, they manage to collaborate. And that it does so 
relying on a global effort to pool resources and come up with these solutions is, is I think that that's the real distinguishing factor for this film. It suggests that if humanity is going to find a way to get out of our current predicament of potential extinction eventually, that we're all going to have to do it together, all for one, one for all, and really depend on scientists and actually foster science as something that is actually genuinely needed and is actually really cool. I mean, look at all of the things that, that these scientists get to do in this film. Uh, you know, it's, as I've mentioned on a previous podcast, it's not just a coincidence that we get all of these things that are very pro science going out in, into the movie theaters. Obviously, you know, we have a president that is very pro science and, uh, you know, you, you'll find with a lot of different, uh, administrations in the past, there's a very direct correlation with the type of movies that come out in Hollywood and the uh, agendas of the uh, of the powers that be in Washington as well. Somehow they just seem to go hand in hand. So, so though largely this is a science-based story, I think that The Martian is de- designed with an eye toward primarily entertaining general audiences of every variety, even those who are not predisposed to enjoying science fiction flicks. Uh, I think that you'll still get some entertainment value here. There is, there's humor, there's special effects, there's attractive and, but very talented actors here and good action sequences that bolster the story above the rudimentary rescue mission situations. And it also manages to stay smart even when situations are intentionally stripped of scientific jargon that the book contained that might lose many traditional multiplex viewers. It's it's like the thinking person's popcorn movie, and that's as rare to find in Hollywood as there is life-sustaining elements on Mars, but I feel just as essential. So that makes it one of the better films of 2015. Uh, so I'm going to give The Martian three and a half stars out of four. I believe that uh, that on my scale, that means it is a good movie, and it's a movie that I would recommend to most audiences uh, certainly, if anybody has an inkling that they might potentially like this movie, I would recommend it to you. Obviously, you know, not every movie has every audience in mind, but I feel that this is a really solid movie in, uh, uh, that works on many levels. And I think that uh, if you happen to like science fiction, you'll like it. If you just like science-based movies, if you just like dramas or uh, action films, action adventures, I think that you're going to get you more than your money's worth uh, from The Martian. It definitely hits on all of those genres. So if you like those, I think that you will like... And, and it's survival stories as well. And if you just like Matt Damon, <laughs> it's a no-brainer. So uh, he's really good here. Three and a half stars for The Martian. And uh, coming up next, I was going to review Sicario before I re- reviewed The Martian because I did see that one first. However, um, Sicario's a, a, a much darker and more cynical film that I have to wrestle with uh, a little bit more, so I feel uh, the Martian was definitely much more of a, it, it, it's definitely much more of a um, I won't say a crowd pleaser because I think that that would be the term crowd pleaser to me always kind of gives away that everything is going to be okay no matter what. That's not necessarily the case with uh, the Martian, but I will say uh, it, it definitely is much more of a populist work, and it was easier for me to kind of uh, to, to digest, whereas Sicario, I think, is something I'm going to wrestle with a lot more as I get into the review. So, uh, But I do I will say if you are interested in hearing my Sicario review and you have not already subscribed, please do click the subscribe button, and you will get that as the next podcast release here. 
some of you who are listening to this a little bit late will probably already have the Sicario uh, uh, listed among my feed. So uh, definitely go to the Quipster Film Review Podcast if you haven't done so already and download that one because uh, that definitely will be an interesting review. Uh, until next time, thank you everyone for listening and, uh, don't forget my website, quipster.net, q-w-i-p-s-t-e-r.net for all of my information. Until next time, thank you everyone and enjoy your time at the movies. 